from the past for you there that was Doomka from Edmonton from a vinyl recording made back in the I think 1980s uh, it's called Soundscape and that song was Sunset Zahodic Sunset Dobry večer, dorahi radio sluhači, ta vitaju vas vsih na radio predaču Naš Holos Radio Krinskoho Korinja na bohatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Pre mikrofoni pa vi nama kori, djakuju što rišale per bute zimnoju nastupnu hudenu. Hello there and welcome to Naš Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula Demchuk-Makori, Pokrinska Pavlina. I am delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you, something a little bit different. We've got some new music and old music. We've got two holidays we're commemorating. Um, it uh, is March is the month of Shevchenko and also of St. Patrick's Day, and there's a 
nice Ukrainian connection to that. And we have an interview coming up, uh, long awaited and uh, long promised. And it is part of, um, part one of a two part series. It was such a great interview and so much interesting information, um, about this group and about the music that they do. And, uh, we just had to, I had to share it all with you. Uh, the group is Previt. Uh, they are from Montreal. They just released their third CD. And, uh, so stay tuned for that. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And it is all going to be on, well, three, three themes, Previt's music, um, also Shevchenko, and a little bit of uh, St. Patrick's Day. So we're going to start out with a Shevchenko set and... Just a few words about Shevchenko for those who are unaware. March is the month in which Ukrainians commemorate Taras Shevchenko, who is arguably Ukraine's greatest poet. He was born on March 9, 1814, in the village of Morinsi in central Ukraine, which was then part of the Russian Empire. His parents were serfs and unfortunately did not live long. Taras was left orphaned at the age of 11 in 1825. His artistic talent in drawing brought him favor, and although inserfed, he was encouraged to continue and master his artistic ability, and his master financed his studies in St. Petersburg. Eventually, friends and colleagues brought him out of serfdom, that was in 1838. In his early life, he was better known for his outstanding paintings, which won him awards and recognition by the Council of the Academy of Arts in St. Petersburg. However, he is better known for his poetry, amongst Ukrainians anyways, which, much like the prose of England's Charles Dickens, exposed the social and political injustices of his time. Only Shevchenko's focus was the oppression of the Russian Tsarist regime towards Ukraine and the centuries-old Ukrainian dream of independence and sovereignty. He became a target of the state and was imprisoned and exiled for the remainder of his life. He died on March 10, 1861. Despite the privations and harsh conditions of prison and exile, he was a prolific writer and continued to vex the Russian authorities. At the same time, however, he inspired the Ukrainian people and awoke a nation. Serfdom was abolished in the Russian Empire in 1861, but returned in a different form in 1918, and we may be seeing another one in our present time. Shevchenko's poetry is credited with inspiring the Ukrainian people in their quest, not only to nationhood, but to their self-identity as a distinct nation of people. He continues to inspire Ukrainians to this day. There's a great biography with uh, more details and information at the Shevchenko Museum page on the InfoUkes website, and uh, there will be a link to that in the podcast show notes. So on to more music in tribute of Ukraine's national bard, Taras Shevchenko. Here is his famous Zapovit Testament, performed by Dmitro Bohush. Як умру, то поховайте мене на могилі. Серед степу широко на країні милі. Щоблани широко полі і Дніпро і кручі. Було видно, було чути, як реве ревучі. Щоблани широко полі. Прой кручі, було видно, було чути, як реперучі, як понесе з України у синє море, кров ворожу, а той діє, і лани, і гори, все покину і полину до самого Бога. Молитися, а до того я не знаю Бога. Все покину і полину до самого Бога. Буду молитися, а до того я не знаю Бога. Поховайте, та вставайте, кайдани пор. 
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Есть на свете доля, кто ее знает. Есть на свете воля, кто ее мает. Есть люди на свете с ревлом златом сяют, сдаются, пануют, а доли не знают. Сміць рівло злато, та будьте багаті, а я візьму сльози, лихо виливати, затоплене долю дрібними сльозами, затопчу неволю восьми ногами, тоді я веселий, тоді я багатий, як буде серденько, по волі гулянти. Доля, кто ее знает, есть на свете воля, кто ее мает, есть люди на свете с реблом златом сяют, сдаются, пануют, воли не мают, ни доли, ни воли, с нудьою, та с горем жупан надевают, плакаты сором. Совеспить діброва зіроньки сіяють Понад шляхом ширицею ховрашки гуляють Спочивають добрі люди, що кофу мило Кого щастя, кого все нічка покрила Tarasova Nietzsche, which translates, I guess, as Tarasa's Night. <laughs> and uh, that was Taras Shevchenko's poem, Yesna Sviti Dolya, There is Destiny in the World. Up next, uh, 
group called Latava with a cute little poem of Shevchenko's from village to village, Otsala Dosala. of Nasholas, you'll be familiar with the Montreal Ensemble Previte, and will recall I've been teasing you for a long time about getting someone on the show to talk about their newly released and long-awaited, I might add, album. It's called Nivsemanaya, Not Everything Fades Away. Uh, so the wait is over. I'm excited to bring on two members of Previt today to talk about the new album and let us know the very interesting story of how it and Previt in its various incarnations came to be. On the line with me now are Roman Kostik. Roman, welcome. Thank you. And Bob McKinnon, which is not a Ukrainian name, kind of like mine, and uh, he's a fairly new addition to the group. Welcome, Bob. Well, thanks for having us. So, um, Previt has been around a long time, um, about as long as Nash Holos. So, uh, give us a, just a, a quick story of Previt, how it started, and uh, where it's come to. Well, Previt started back in 1991. Mark Bidnachik had finished about nine or ten years as the accompanist for Chiremchena, the trio for Montreal. And he wanted to uh, spend more time doing his own music as opposed to folkloric music. So we formed Privit. Uh, we started in late 91. We recorded in 92 and released a cassette called Privit to Life. And then the next year, in 93, Yevshan picked up the rights to it and they re-released it as Beref Nagi ah. in 93. Okay. Uh, Privit from that time onward developed. We were at one point the duo, then a trio, then a quartet, then a quintet, and we were doing touring all over Ontario, Quebec, and northeastern United States. Uh, we had several personnel changes along the way because one member had to move to Barrie, Ontario, and, and then the, one of the other people couldn't perform on weekends. So around 98, Irene Mathalik joined. And we were still a quartet because her, her sister Darka was with us for a while. We were a trio starting from about 2000. And we recorded in uh, 2008 our second album, Remember Me. And we pretty well stayed as a trio till we stopped performing publicly about 2010, 2011. Um, things started to happen, um, which prevented us from continuing onwards. Um, Mark eventually lost his son. Uh, uh, oh. Son passed away due to a, a brain tumor, and oh, then uh, both Irene and I lost both our parents. So that period of time, from year to year, we weren't interested in doing music. Right. And this third variant of um, Trevit kind of originated around late 2018. Mark called me, and he surprised me that he wanted to do a recording. He had written this lullaby, which is the last song on our album. Lessing, speed me, Sinak, 
Я розкажу тобі безліч казок Нащо ж ти віченьки знову розкрив He had written this lullaby while his son was still alive and he had intended to sing it for him, but his son unfortunately passed away before he had a chance to. And he figured the best way to remember him was to record this and he wanted to build an album around it. And initially, um, I encouraged him to do it as a solo. And I said, you can do it as a Mark Bidnachik album, supported by Privit. We'll do whatever you want us to, but this is your project. He uh, didn't want to hear anything about it, and he wanted to get Privit back together again. Oh, and wow. um, So I phoned Irene, and she agreed. And we had been talking with Mark about including Bob, because Mark felt he needed another instrumentalist, especially after Remember Me, the second album, where he did no instrumentation on it at all. It was all computer programmed. He needed somebody else to play off of. And um, Bob might be new to Privit. He joined in... Uh, 2019 and he was very instrumental in this album coming together because he did the recordings he did the lead guitar and he does vocal contributions on seven of the 15 songs oh so not bad for a person who's not ukrainian yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can't if you can't ulala's contributions yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the the other thing i have to say is bob's not new to performing with us if you think back to the album um with Chirim Shina back in 81. Yes, that fantastic Christmas album. He played on that album with Mark and I sang on it. So we go back all the way to that time and even before because um, Bob Nin- Yeah, 1981. Yeah, you were in a band with Mark, not a Ukrainian band, in the 70s. Yeah. Okay. So And we did the Christmas album in 81. Yeah. We also did a tour in Winnipeg at the Centennial Center for the Osaka Dancers. And we also did a couple of uh, Christmas concerts for the Governor General in uh, in Ottawa. Wow. So Bob has been with with Mark and myself for quite a stretch. It's just he was never a part of Trivit per se. Wow, isn't that interesting? You know, and um, so an honorary Ukrainian. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> I, I might be even be getting a visa. I have no idea. <laughs> So how, um, originally then, you, I mean, you go back to the 70s, obviously, did you meet in school or, or how, where? Uh, Mark, Roman, and myself were all teachers at the same school. Oh, okay. At one point. So um, I hooked up with Mark and so we, we played together on and off. And, uh, you know, they invited me to come do the uh, the Christmas album in 81. And we did that. Uh, but as far as playing together from that point on, there wasn't a whole lot, as a matter of fact, uh, maybe just more in uh, rehearsal sessions. And then uh, a couple of years ago, Roman approached me with uh, this idea saying that they were thinking about doing it and they wanted to know if I had any interest in doing it or helping out with doing it. And uh, the whole idea is when I said, well, we'll give it a shot and we'll see where it goes. And uh, we ended up with the CD. <laughs> wow. And it, it took a while. And now, Roman, you touched on this earlier. The previous album that you had done, Zaklakanya, Remember Me, was all computer generated. So in these days now of lockdowns, you know, people can't get together in the, the old days of getting together in a studio uh, to record are kind of gone. Uh, but you kind of pioneered the method, didn't you? So this wouldn't have been that difficult. No, but we were very unhappy with the final production of the second album because we found it was too technically perfect. Um, music was programmed, everything was to the point and all that, but we were very unhappy with the way the vocals were put together and uh, organized and mixed because we had oh. no control over it. The, the, the vocals were recorded in Montreal. Unfortunately, the person who recorded them was a heavy metal uh, recording <laughs> engineer oh as opposed to a, a trio and folklore oh. uh, type of uh, recorder. And we we couldn't sing together. Each one of us had to do his or her part, locked in a little cupboard where we couldn't see the control board or anything. All the directions were given through the headphones. So what came out eventually was good, but it was not what we wanted because not only did we not have control of the recording, but then finally the mixing was done in Ukraina, in Truskavec, right. with uh, Bohdan Krenitsky, who did the best he could with what he could do it with. Oh, 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 oh,
So in this album, we were less concerned about being technically perfect, and we wanted to do an album that was more emotional, more connected to all of us. And it was not originally supposed to be a studio album. It was supposed to be sort of an unplugged, semi-live thing where we did it in uh, a portable home recording studio in Bob's house in his record room. Uh, If you look at the credits on the album, it says it was recorded in the uh, music room. And we called it the music room because this is where Bob's music collection was. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, this thing started off as really a labor of love um, and support for Mark. The rest of us kind of did it initially for Mark, but then as we got more and more into the project, I believe, I can't speak for everybody, but I think Mark um, was the original factor. But once we got into the project, we found that we all started to get into it to a greater degree. And because we were recording in Bob's house and we were all friends and it was all a relaxed atmosphere, we didn't feel like we were in a recording studio. So it technically might not be as perfect as some studio recordings, but emotionally and musically, I think it's probably the more powerful of the three things we've done. Now, the the first song that you had uh, sent... And There Will Come Days of Sorrow, where I sent it to you once, and then I sent you the second mix with the horn in it. Yeah, and that was... Which a, had a more Mexican-type yes, sound. Yes, that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why. And you know what? Both both versions were so... I was almost... Uh, I was almost upset with you until I listened again. Again, it was one of those, I don't know which is better. They're both just so gorgeous. Yeah. I'm speaking with Roman Kostek and Bob McKinnon of the group Previt. We'll be right back. This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. Yeah. You do really interesting work, and you'd mentioned that you were working with Chetumshena, which was a very um, folk-oriented group and fantastic group, and right. you you wanted to do something more original, and I guess Mark is the one that does all the music for Previt, the musical Yes, he does, and he's the main element for choosing the lyrics, and he picks the poetry uh, that we use for uh, the recordings. So he's like the root of everything. It centers around Mark, but once he picks the stuff, it becomes a group group effort. Because no, ab- yeah, absolutely, changes, absolutely. Because we're all we're all involved with more or less the arrangement and what or, or how it should go and whatever else. So you know, like the, he is the original source, the idea that comes up, but uh, everyone else gets to put their two cents in as well. That's an interesting way to to do it. That maybe that's why you, you're uh, such a tight sounding group. You just sound so so together. You you blend so well is because you can you can see each other's vision. In order for it to work, it had to be a collaboration. And the idea was that you'd be open to experimenting with something that was definitely a less traditional approach, I guess, to Ukrainian music. And in my case, I didn't grow up uh, with traditional Ukrainian music, so I had very little influence on what I was going to play or how I would play it. And when that, I was approached, this is what they said they wanted. They wanted something different, you know, uh, something that was a different style uh, and hopefully to complement whatever the group's vision was. Mm. I have to add that outside of the Ukrainian music that we do, I think Mark 
Bob and I have very similar tastes in the English market of music. Mm-hmm. Um, probably I'm closer even to Bob than I am to Mark in my choices of, of musicians and music styles that I like. So there's a lot of agreement there. Uh, so it wasn't that hard to, to um, work at it together. Uh, Irene is sort of on the outside. She's more into the Latino, European, French sound that style of music so she's coming in from another angle so she when she comes in with her style and we have our 60s and 70s uh mm-hmm. rock style and folks style that's what merges well it comes together with a, a unique sound and it does it's not i guess to, to somebody who's not familiar with uh ukrainian folk music it doesn't really sound ukrainian folky but it speaks to me as you know as a lover of ukrainian folk music i mean that's Pretty much what uh, Nash Holis is all about is, is you know, traditional Ukrainian folk. But yet, Privit, it, it adds to, and it doesn't, it's not out of place. Well, I think our, our original intention, and I don't want to speak for Mark, but uh, from everything I've experienced working with him over these last close to 30 years, this last album, I compare it to a storybook. Each song is a different chapter. It's not meant to be listened to, which is the best song, which is the worst. It, because of all of our experiences, uh, it comes down as a very subdued but very thoughtful album based on poems by different um, writers or poets. And if you go through the themes, it goes through the different experiences in life, from sorrow and not being able to get to sleep, and finally as the sun's rising, you fall asleep. That's what is yeah. Then mm-hmm. think of me uh, sort of like when you're down and things are worse, just remember me. The, the song... Uh, that I like is spring torrent. It's it's spring floods. You get a rebirth, but at the same time, there's a cost to it. And if you go through each song, I think 90 or 80% of the people, if they understand the theme of the poem, somebody's experienced something similar to that. And the, the album, what we intended was a little journey through life, through all the different experiences in the life and not to have a hit record or anything like that. Huh. It's not meant to be listened to in that way. Now, the choice of poetry, uh, nobody, there are no original or very few original lyrics. The, well, the only poets? original lyric we ever had was on Zeklikanya or Zeklikanya, depending which way you want to pronounce it, Mark's lyrics. And on the very first song we ever did when we recorded Privit. <laughs> The words to that were written by Hrytko Chuprinka, but Mark wrote the words to the chorus. Other than those two parts, as far as I know, all the lyrics and all these songs we've ever recorded have been the original words of the poets. And that's the way we've always proceeded. We wanted to encapsulate their idea or their message in Mark's music. He goes through a poetry and he picks things that uh, he thinks might be viable for, for an album. And sometimes he'll compose the music just to present it to us. And sometimes he'll just go through the poetry and he or I will go over it and discuss it. But in, I would say 90% of the time, I'll go with his initial choice because he knows what kind of music he wants to go with the mood of the writer. And so I leave it kind of to him, and then I build around that with vocal harmonies that should be able to fit into that style. Then Irene comes in, and, and Bob came in this time, and he added a whole new musical dimension with his, like all the lead guitar on the album is his. And oh. it, it really changes to the feel of the album. It, it, it's, it's really quite a little different from the others, which were more orchestral or just group thing, whereas this one, we got to control all the music. That I think that's why you kind of wanted me to come into it anyway, just to bring something different yeah. or a different dynamic, if nothing else. Even. And unintentionally, Andrima Zeppa, who I approached uh, Mark about going to him to do the final mixing and mastering, when we decided maybe this unplugged thing isn't the way to go, maybe we should go to a mm-hmm. more polished sound. He added some of the keyboards because he has a background. He was a keyboard player and a singer in a band from Montreal called Burlake, which oh, were a very big... I uh, them. Yeah, and so he was able to add accordion, synthesizer, organ. Uh, he played a little bass, too, along with Yeah, me. he played some bass. 
Yeah. And so the bass on the on the uh, recording is split between Bob and uh, Andrew, and and so it kind of worked because Andrew knows Ukrainian music. He's done mm-hmm. it. He understood what we were, where we were going, and he added his, incorporated his additions in the spirit that the original song was written and designed to be sung as. Mm. So basically, he fit with us very well, and he got to really like the music. He, he went on vacation, mm-hmm. and he was mixing our song. Oh, wow. <laughs> he did a really good job in terms of uh, fixing things up. And, you know, like everything was recorded here and mixed here and finalized here, and then he took it to a whole different level. Uh, you know, he really, in, in his uh, way of mastering and everything else. So. Yeah. Especially if you ever listen uh, more intently to Spring Torrent, it has an island sound to it because he yeah. came back and he remixed that song oh. when he had just come back from being in the islands on vacation. Isn't that funny? Because that was I, I listened to that. Of course, you know, Mark is, is I guess it's somebody's whistling. I'm assuming it's Mark. Oh, that, yeah. is, that, <laughs> is that you? Is that Bob? That's me. That came out of uh, we were just rehearsing, like when we were just doing it acoustically and just for fun started whistling and. People turn around and say, we got to keep that. Oh, it just, yeah. I mean, I just felt so summery listening to that one. Just like, you know, give me a margarita. And like... yeah, well, that was the intent. You sort of, you hear the whistle come and then the story of the flooding and the waters and all this. And then the whistle away and fades. And so it got that feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's super songs and you've got um, one in there that's really um, mellow and laid back silence I mean the uh, you've got a sax in there it does incredible yeah 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 the sax on the album was put uh, um, on by um, Bohdan uh, who is Mark's son-in-law he's a very well-known jazz musician jazz saxophonist he put on a show actually in Montreal virtually last week Uh uh-huh and uh, he has his own album out, uh, and he's recording a second one with a bunch of uh, professional Ukrainian jazz musicians. So oh, wow. he's a very, very talented guy. And that song took a whole life of its own. That was the last one, I think, that we mixed. And oh. that was done by phone and everything because it was done during the pandemic. And I had to go earlier to Andres, and I had to add vocal overdubs on the chorus. So if you listen carefully to the chorus, there are places where there's five and six parts. Oh, okay. But uh, four of those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> to finish all the uh, the basic recordings prior, just prior to the uh, the COVID outbreak. So from that point on, it was all a matter of, as Roman said, telephone calls and yeah. computers and back and forth and, you know, listen to this mix, listen to that mix. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But the, the chances of getting together, which really uh, delayed probably by what a good, well, probably by a year, right, Roman? Delayed it coming in? Oh, for sure. And also the change from unplugged to a studio level of recording. But the, yeah, the COVID uh, delayed everything by almost another year. Yeah. 
Well, but here we are, and um, it's done, and it is uh, off the presses. So how would uh, people get a copy for themselves? Well, right now we're just doing it on our own. Mark is still working on some uh, way of trying to distribute it. So I think uh, the easiest way is if somebody contacts uh, Mark, his email is bednarchikm at loyola.ca, B-E-D-N-A-R-C-Z-Y-K-M for Mark, at Loyola, L-O-Y-O-L-A, dot C-A. Okay. But I, I'm hoping eventually we can post it on the internet so people people can purchase it directly digitally off the internet or buy the whole album off the internet. We just have to set that up right now. Okay. So in the meantime, for now, um, I'll include Mark's email in the show notes of this podcast and um, also can post it on our Facebook page. Oksana will be interviewing Mark uh, fairly soon. That interview will be in Ukrainian and it will air on the Nanaimo edition of the show. Uh, Next week, though, I'll be back to share more tunes and the second half of this interview with Roman Kostek and Bob McKinnon of Privit, and we'll learn all about the poetry that comprises the lyrics of Privit's songs and the fascinating people and stories they tell. So you won't want to miss that. Meanwhile, here is the full version of one of the songs, uh, the clips that you heard in part one of this interview. It is Mark's music set to the lyrics of Lina Kostenko's poem, Tisha, Silence.
Make sure to join us next week for part two of the interview when we talk all about the poetry that comprises the lyrics of these great songs by Pravit and, of course, more music from Pravit's most recent album, The Seminaya. We're going to move on now to our third musical theme uh, for tonight's program, and here is Ludwig now with a medley of Irish hornpipes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder that the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos can be heard in the Vancouver listening area Wednesdays on CHLY 101.7 FM and online at chly.ca. If you miss the on-air or live stream broadcast, the podcast link is available at our website, www.nasholos.com. There's also a link there to our Patreon site, and I hope you'll consider supporting our work with a monthly donation. Well, our time is almost up, so to take us to the end of our program, we've got a little story going back to 2013 um, by a Canadian um Alberta expat living in Newfoundland, talking all about a Ukrainian-Celtic connection there. So I thought I would just share that again. They're still there and uh, going strong, and uh, apparently Newfoundland loves Ukrainian music. Uh, but of course, Ukrainians love Celtic music as well, and we'll wrap up with um, tribute, a nod to the Celts uh, from the Kubasonics' last, uh, most recent CD, Kub Funland, and uh, you'll recognize uh, which Celtic group that is. I'm Paulina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos. Thanks for listening and Dobranich! St. John's Newfoundland was treated to something it does not experience every day as the ship pub rocked with the sounds of Ukrainian music in early January. The Newfoundland and Labrador Folk Arts Society's Folk Night Concert Series featured a program of Ukrainian and Celtic fusion entitled The Republic of Garlic. This show of Slavic soul mixed with Celtic fire combined traditional Ukrainian music with fiddle tunes from across Canada. Multi-instrumentalist Brian Chidovec led the festivities, joined by violin phenom Maria Chidovec. Rounding out the group were drummer Jacob Chidovec, guitarist extraordinaire Ian Hayes, and the legendary Darren Bobby Brown on electric bass. The show was a high-energy event interspersed with sublime moments where listeners were introduced to a variety of Ukrainian traditional instruments including cymbale, sopilka, bandura, and tilemka. The group moved effortlessly between the jigs and reels familiar to Newfoundland audiences and tunes based on traditional Ukrainian dances such as the kogomeka and arkan. I fully endorse the Republic of Garlic. It's definitely best things I've ever put on stage at the ship, man. It was outrageous. Definitely one of the high points in the seven years I've been doing it. Folk Night is a weekly concert series presenting the best acoustic folk music featuring both local and touring artists. The Republic of Garlic is currently planning future performances, so watch for them. Experiencing this blend of jigs, reels, and kolomekas is like alternating shots of vodka and screech.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.